My Heavenly Father, I thank you. My Heavenly Father, I thank you. I ask for grace. I ask for grace. Father, open our ears that we can hear. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness unto light, from the power of Satan unto you. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you notice in that it says that it says, turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. Do you notice there, there's no in between? You're either under the power of God or you're under the power of Satan. Sometimes you've got to fight to get both, but, but there is no man. All right, if you would turn with me to John 10, 35. We're going to begin in our usual verse. Jesus speaking. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came. And this is the phrase I want us to get in our hearts. And the scripture cannot be broken. You know, last week I said, if you get it to where your faith is in the word of God, and you understand and you know that the scripture cannot be broken, I said half the battle's won. Mm -mm. The battle is won. The battle is won. You may have to stand, but the battle's won. Because that word of God really cannot be broken. And when you choose in your heart, and that's what faith is, it's a choice. When you choose to put your faith your trust in that word of God, your battle is won. It may take a while to stand, but it's won. All right, now, if you would turn with me to 1 Peter 3, what this series is about, and I'm going to read from, let's read from verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversations of the wives. While they behold your chaste behavior, your conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. Notice, let not your adorning, what people see, what people know you as, let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair and wearing of gold or putting on apparel. doesn't say you can't do that. It just says don't let that be what they know, what they see. It says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. The heart, and that which is not corruptible, even an ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. A meek and a quiet spirit. It says, which is in the sight of God of great price. You know who had a meek and a quiet spirit? Jesus. You know where we're going to get our meek and quiet spirit? Jesus. That's why we end up with a meek and quiet spirit. We get Jesus in us. We get the man Jesus in us. That's when the spirit's quiet. That's when the spirit's meek. You know, you can have a meek and a quiet spirit and beat the devil to a pulp. That's what's so nice. Now, if you will turn with me. Today we are going to discuss, we're going to go back and we are going to look at one of the reasons we're not meek and quiet is because we don't know God. And we don't know the love of God. When you know, when you can come to that place that you know how much God loves you, things are a lot easier. 
That's some of our fight. That is, how many of us, the, 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 the torture, the conflict, does God want me? Does God like me? Is he going to reject me? Does God love me? Does he, you know, uh, uh, is, is that one a favorite? No. That's why we're only going to look at the word of God. That's why we are only going to look at the word of God. When we look at this today, I don't want you, I want you to put away everything that you have heard in Sunday school. I want you to put away everything you grew up listening to, including those religious movies on TV. We are going to put them all away. We're going to put the art galleries away. We're going to put the magazines away. We're going to put all the books away, and we are only going to look at the Word of God. We are not going to look at any man's opinion. Not even mine. No opinions here. Only the Word of God. That's the only thing that works. That's the only thing that's going to get us where we need to get. That is the only thing that's going to bring us our salvation, is the Word of God. Now, I want us to go back to Exodus 34. And we're going to look at the personality of God. I grew up in a denominational church. Excuse me. I have got glory. Love that devil. All right. Um, I grew up in a denominational church. And what I was taught was there was one God in the Old Testament and another God in the New Testament, and neither one of them were very nice. And, and I grew up thinking, you know, that they told me he was there with a stick. And the first time you screwed up, he whacked you with it. That was the, you know, and they called that fear of God. That is not fear of God. Let's take a look at the word of God, because that is not in the Bible anywhere. All right, uh, chapter 34, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hear thee two, two tables of stone likened to the first, and I will write upon these stones the words that were on the first table, which thou workest. Talk about forgiveness. And being ready in the morning, come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present thyself there unto me in the top of the mount. And no man would come up, and no man shall come up with thee. Neither shall any man be seen throughout all the mount, and neither let the flocks nor the herds feed before the mount. So nobody's going to be there but God and Moses. And it said, And he hewed two stables of stones like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up into Mount Sinai as God had commanded him and took in his hand two tables of stone. And the Lord, Jehovah, God, that made this earth, and stretched out the heavens like a curtain. All those stars you see were stretched out like a curtain by God. This is the God that created everything you see. And now he's descending in a cloud. Can you imagine? And he's going to talk to Moses. And he said, and the Lord descended in a cloud and stood, stood with Moses. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, you're going to find out God himself, Jehovah, the one that opened up the Red Sea by stretching out his hand. And two million people walked through the sea on dry land. 
We're going to listen to what the Jehovah, the one that when, when Joshua was fighting a battle, he said, Lord, stop the sun and God, Jehovah, stop the world from spinning. Ever think about that? He stopped the world from spinning so a man could get a job done. This is the same God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fire couldn't touch them. Couldn't even touch them. They didn't even smell like smoke. Some restaurants you can't get out of without smelling like smoke. But that's the God that we're talking about. We're talking about the God that raised Jesus and everybody around him from the dead. In one moment. Now. Now that we know who he is, he's going to tell us his personality. We're not going to learn from it from just actions. We are going to listen to Jehovah himself say, this is the way I am. So when you're praying and the devil is telling you everything else, you can say, no, this is how God is because he said it himself. And the Lord passed by before Moses and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. What is the first thing he's, he is like? What's the first thing about his personality? He is merciful. He is merciful. I love it. I think, I can't remember what, what book, but it's on the left-hand page and it's, you know, second column. It says he delights to show mercy. What's the first thing about his personality? He is merciful. What's the second thing? It says he is gracious. Gracious. He gives you things when you don't deserve them. It says he is long-suffering. Oh, when we think he's got the stick out ready to whack us because we just can't seem to get it right, that is a lie. He is long-suffering. He said it himself. I am long-suffering. He said he's abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. See, he's forgiving. He's forgiving. And then he says, but by no means will clear the guilty, visiting iniquity on the fathers, upon the children, and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation. But you know what? This is what he told Moses. And you know, in the next chapter, God couldn't deal with the sins of the Israelites anymore. He couldn't deal with their rebellion. You know, he, can, he, he says he is merciful, but there is a point. And he said to Moses, get out of the way. Get out of the way. I have warned them, I have warned them, I have done this miracle. He had done more than a dozen miracles for these people, and still, still, they wouldn't listen. And he told Moses, get out of the way. And you know what Moses did? He stood in front of Jehovah, and he looked at him, and he said, no. No. And how did he get God to change? He read this right back to him. He said, you are a God of mercy, you are gracious, you are long-suffering. He said, you can't do this because this is the way you are. Do you think God doesn't set up these situations 
Do you know, just like Moses, we can stand in front of God and say, you have got to do this because this is the way you are. And you know what? He will listen. All right. Now that we know he is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and truth, go with me to 1 John 4. It is a choice to believe these words and not what your heart is telling you. Do you hear me? It is a choice to believe these words that cannot be broken and not listen to what your heart is telling you. Because when these words hit your heart, all this stuff will come up. And God is after the hurt of his, daughter, his daughters. He is after our hurt. He doesn't want us to be hurt. But to do that, we have to make the choice. We have to look at these words. We make the choice to believe these words and not how we feel. Do you understand that? Not how you feel. Do you know that the word of God is a thousand times greater than your feelings? Do you know if you will look at these words and trust them, they will abound through the lie of your heart and they will come to pass. But you have to make the choice. When you feel like everybody hates you, you're probably not that far off. But God doesn't. But God doesn't. You have to make the choice to believe these words and not how you feel. If you can do that, if you can give it every effort you have, there is enough grace because he's gracious. There is enough mercy because he's merciful. He will get you there. He will get you there, but you have to choose. You have to choose. You have to try. If you don't try, he can't help. He responds to faith. And when you choose, I'm going to believe this even though I feel like this. That's when the word of God works. That's when it manifests. That's when you start getting set free. All right? Now we're going to look at these words. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this was manifested. In this was manifested. In this was it made known. Was it made known? The love of God. Not Jesus here. The love of God. The love of God. Not Jesus. The love of God. God that made the world you stand on. The one that stretched out all those stars like a curtain. The one that the stars are billions and billions. When it made them all, it says, it was manifested the love of God toward us because, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through Jesus, through him. Who sent Jesus? Jehovah. Why did he send him? Why? Are you looking at that verse? Why did he send Jesus? It says, this was manifested the love of God for, toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. Why did he send him? Why did God send Jesus? Because he loved us. 
because he loved us. He sent his only begotten son, his only son, because he loved us. And I want you to look at that word sent. Jesus did not come on his own. He didn't come on his own. He was sent. Yes, he was willing, but he was sent. And he was sent by Jehovah. And Jehovah sent him because he loves us. For God so loved the world. I remember hearing those verses growing up and I'd roll my eyes. Because I didn't believe them. I wouldn't choose to believe them. They were the word of God. But they weren't ministered by the spirit. And they made death. But when the spirit ministers, they are life and peace and they are truth and they can't be broken. For God so loved you, 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 that he sent Jesus, sent him. Now, turn with me to Romans 5. I'm going to go to verse 6. And when we were, uh, let's go up a little bit further. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It, oh, it helps to have the Holy Ghost. Because that's what the Holy Ghost's job is, to shed abroad that love from the Father. It says, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. It peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. It said, but, but. But, love that, that, those little words, but God commendeth, God proved, God exhibited, he showed his love toward us. God commended, God proved his love towards you. He proved it. He proved it. He didn't just say it. He wasn't that man that said, I love you, and then turned around and hurt you. He wasn't that woman that you put your trust in that turned around and hurt you. That's not God. God is love. And he proved his love to you. Not just said it. He proved it. He said, for God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sent Jesus when we didn't even want him. He sent Jesus when we were at our worst. He sent Jesus with all those wicked thoughts that you had in your head. He sent Jesus when the only reason you didn't murder anybody was you were afraid you'd get caught. He sent Jesus when you hated God. He sent Jesus when you hated man. He sent Jesus when you hated everybody. He sent Jesus when you hated yourself. That's when he sent Jesus. Why? He didn't hate you. He's not capable of hate. He loved you. That's why he sent Jesus. He proved it by sending Jesus. He proved it by sending Jesus. He didn't prove it by flowers. He proved it by sending his only son. Now, 
Turn with me to Romans 8. Oh, choose to believe these words. Choose to believe these words when your heart tells you everything else but. Choose to believe these words when Satan is using other people's mouths. Choose to believe these words. And that choice, that truth will abound through that lie. And it'll manifest. It'll fix it. It'll fix the rejection you have in your heart. Because of rejection, God didn't put there. God didn't put there. All right? Now, it says, verse 32 of chapter 8. Let's see. Uh, yeah. It said, let's begin in verse 31. For what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, verse 32. He that spared not his own son. He that spared not his own son. It says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. You see that word all? You see that word all? I know the methods of the devil. The devil will say, everybody but you. Ever heard him? Oh, Jesus, have I heard him? Have I heard him? Everybody but you. That's what not that says. It says all. It says all. And you're going to have to talk right back. It says all. It says all. Choose to believe these words. All right, it says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? But this is what I want us to see. He spared not his own son. Turn with me to Mark 14. And there is an absolute, absolute example of this. He spared not his own son. I'm going to go to Mark 14, and I'm going to begin in verse 33. And this is Jesus. And this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you don't know by now, you will know, because I'm sure we will cover it. I know, uh, I mean, I can't see where the Holy Ghost is not going to put it in this series somewhere. Jesus came as a man. He was a God, it says in John 1, he said, the, um, what is it? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Was God. That Word was Jesus. Jesus was with God in the beginning, and he was a God. He was. It says that he was equal to God, but that he gave that all up in Philippians 2. He gave it all up. He put it all away. He put all his godly abilities away, and he became a man. Why? Because a man messed up this world, and a man was going to have to fix it. And a man brought death, so another man, Jesus, was going to have to bring life. And the only way he could do that was to die. And like the Spirit of God has said out of me before, you can't kill a God. You can't. Gods don't die, and you can't kill them. So the only way Jesus was going to re, re put back what Adam did was he was going to have to become a man like Adam, and he was going to have to die. And he did, as a man. So now we see this man getting ready to go to the cross. Ready to go to the cross. He has had the last Passover with his disciples. He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And here is where the man, the flesh of Jesus, and the spirit of Jesus become in a tremendous, tremendous conflict. 
And he's got all the help of the devil he's going to need. Because he, well, let's read the words. Let's read what happens to Jesus in the garden as a man. And you can tell by reading these words he's a man. Because if he's a God, he wouldn't care. He wouldn't care. He wouldn't even care about going to the cross. He's a God. He's not going to feel anything. That's what I thought growing up. Well, what's the big deal? You were God. You're not going to feel the cross. He didn't go to the cross as a God. He went as a man. Had to. Now, verse 33. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy. Sore amazed. He was struck with terror. He was struck with terror. Ever been terrified? Well, the man Jesus here is struck being terrified. Why is he terrified? He is getting ready to go to the cross. And he can read. He can read. And he knows what the cross is going to do to him. He knows that they are going to scourge him. Not whip him, scourge him. He knows his back is going to be torn apart by a scourge. His back. He knows he's going to be crowned with thorns. He knows he's going to be spit on. He knows he's going to be punched. He's going to be beat with a rod. He knows all this he can read. He knows he's going to be nailed to the tree. He knows it. He knows that all our sin and all our iniquity and all our sickness and all our disease and all our poverty and all that is bad about us, all those curses are going to go on that one body. He knows it. And he knows what he's going to suffer. He knows what he's going to suffer. And he knows he's going to do it as a man. And now he is struck with terror. And listen to his words. He said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. He wants to die now. He said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. I want to die now. Why do I want to die now? So I don't have to go to the cross. This is not Jesus. Yes, it is. The words of God cannot be broken. You are going to have to make the decision that the words of God are truth. Not what you learned anywhere else. And he said, and he went forward a little and he fell on the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He prayed that he might not have to go to the cross. Listen to the words of Jesus. Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Take it away. He's asking God in the garden Don't let me go to the cross. Take it away. I don't want to go. And he is asking Jehovah, who has given Jesus everything he has ever asked. Everything Jesus ever asked the Father, the Father gave. Lovingly. Now Jesus is saying, I don't want to go. Take the cup away. Take the cup away. And what was the father's response? He that spared not his own son. He that spared not his own son. He knew Jesus was going to be okay. But he knew you and I weren't going to be. Do you see this? 
He knew. He rejected Jesus' request. He rejected it. He who spared not his own son. He wouldn't do what Jesus asked. Because he knew Jesus was going to be all right. And Jesus was going to pray through it. But he knew you and I weren't going to be. He knew you and I weren't going to be. So what does Jesus say? I love this. You know, the gospel was won in the garden. Our, our eternity was won in the garden. Because a man put away his flesh and for the love of God laid his life down. He put away the flesh, fought. You know, in Luke it says that, that he prayed more earnestly, great drops of blood. There was so much stress on his body because he had to get his soul in line with God. It says right here, it says, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And those three hours praying in the garden was to get there, was to get where he could go to the cross, where he could do the will of God, where he could lay down his life for you and I. Oh, thank God, God knew he would get there, but he knew we needed it. We knew, he knew we needed Jesus to go to the cross. Even when we didn't want him to, we didn't even want him. We didn't even care. That's when God sent Jesus to the cross. And that's when Jesus, in three hours of agonizing prayer, got his soul ready to go. He that spared not Jesus for you. That is proof. I can't think of any way else to prove to us the love of God. He spared not his own son for you. For you. He turned down the initial, uh, the initial request of Jesus for you. For you. If that doesn't prove to you that God loves you, I don't know what would. I don't know what God, what would. All God is asking from you is that you make the choice to believe these words. Make the choice to believe what the Father did and what Jesus did on the cross. That is the only thing God requires of us. There is enough grace. There is mercy. He sent Jesus. Jesus didn't come on his own. And the only thing God requires of us is to believe that. To make the choice to believe that and not what our heart says. And not what our upbringing says. And not what our religion said. You know, Jesus and the Father are not religious. They are truth. And they are pure. That's the only thing God requires of us. To choose to believe how much he loves you. He that spared not his own son. If he went that far, let's go back and read the rest of that verse. And then we're done. Verse 32, Romans 8. He that spared not his own son. And we see that in the garden. But delivered him up for us all. God's the one that delivered him up. 
When Jesus finally got to the point he could go to the cross, he said, I'm done. I'm ready to go. And it was at that moment that Judas showed up. Judas didn't show up a moment too soon and a moment too late. Judas wasn't going to come any sooner because God waited. God waited for Jesus to get ready to go to the cross. He waited. Why? For you. He waited to make sure that his son was ready to go. And then that's when Judas showed up. And that's when Jesus went to the cross. And that's when Jesus died with all our sins on it. That's when Jesus died with all our iniquities on his body. Your and my iniquities. That's when Jesus died with our poverty, with our sickness, with our disease. That's when Jesus died. And that's when the father saw it. He was satisfied with what Jesus did for you. And he raised you and me up with Jesus. He raised you and me up with Jesus. And the only thing he requires, the only thing, is that we make the choice to believe it. Amen. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.